Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad to say that I'm converted and sanctified. I'm thankful for what the Lord means in my life. Thankful for the way He has led me. I thought um, I was asked to give a message that was directed to the young people, and I thought, um, as has already been mentioned this morning, about friendship, and then um, and I thought about how talked in our Sunday school class about how a lot of times the Bible will give us two examples. It'll give us an example of the way we should do, and then it'll give us an example of the way that we shouldn't do. And I thought that's what I have had on my mind. And I thought about how, um, you know, I couldn't really pinpoint one thing um, about the young people. I thought if I could give my 15, if I could tell my 15-year-old self something, what would it be? Um, there are certain fashion styles that I probably would say, steer clear, you're going to regret every picture of you with that haircut. Um, there's some things, you know, but I thought, you know, things in life that, that really matter. Um, and I thought about these young people, and I thought, you know, the landscape is going to change. And I thought about the few that I grew up with that didn't reach the age that I am now. So, you know, life is going to happen. The struggle that you have isn't going to be the struggle that he has. We all have our infirmities. They're not all the same. But I thought the Lord has given us, what is the scripture in, it's in 2 Peter that says, He's given us everything we, that pertains to life and godliness. He's given us everything that we need. And some of what He has given us is, He's given me you. And He's given you me. And we need to each fill the role that the Lord has put us in. And I thought as Shelly was talking this morning, we do all have our comfort zones. Don't confuse a hobby with a talent. You can have a talent you're not comfortable with, okay? A hobby is something you like to do. They're not the same thing. Trust the Lord to give you the strength and the courage to do the talent that He's given you. Talents are something I didn't ask. If I have a talent, I didn't ask for it. A hobby I will pursue on my own. But the Lord gives us each talents because He is building up a body. And He's going to give different talents to different to have the courage to use the talents that you have been given but i thought um i thought about friendship and how you know friendship builds fellowship and fellowship is part is one of the ingredients that builds up the body of christ and so how do we have true fellowship because we desperately need it. We desperately need yeah. I need to know that you're in my corner. Yeah. I need to know that you're rooting for me and my family. You need to know that I'm rooting for yours. And so when I know that you have something going on with your life and that you have a trial that you're going through and when I wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I know young people don't do that yet but your time's coming and you go back to bed but you can't go back to bed and you lay there awake at 4.30 in the morning and it isn't me, it isn't what's going on in my life that's so heavy on my heart, it's you. It's what's going on in your life. I know I'm not the only one like this. But how we need these connections. We need to feel each other's pain and take lift each other up to the Lord anyway. So I thought about that's the kind of fellowship that I want y'all to have through the years. You're going to need it. I thought it's, you know, the different ones got out this morning. I thought I grew up with all of them. Drew's a little bit younger than me, so him not so much. I kind of watched him grow up. But um, I thought, you know, when Shelly and Scott were talking, I'm so glad they stood firm. Amen. Yeah. 
I'm so glad that they that they stood firm, that they have that there's somebody that I can look back to and say it worked. They they did it, it worked. And I know they've had their struggles. They haven't had what I've had, and I haven't had but they stood firm. We are all going to be tested. But the first example that came to me in the Bible when I started thinking about this was the story of Rachel and Leah. And this story starts out, and I'm not I'm, I'm going to skip a lot. So it starts out, Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. Jacob makes an agreement with her father. He says, okay. I'm skipping a lot, y'all. And so he says, uh, he agrees to work seven years for her. And it says that he loved her so much that it was, um, it was as a few days. Seven years was nothing to him. So the time came for, for Jacob and Rachel to get married. And y'all know the story. Um, I guess it was really dark. It wasn't Rachel that he married. It was Leah. And so he goes to Laban. He says, what have you done? Laban says, well... This is just the custom here. I couldn't marry that one before I married this one. And so they come to another agreement. <coughs> Jacob still wants Rachel. So all my life, I think I've had the time frame on the story wrong. I thought he worked seven years for one, worked seven years for another. I don't think that's right. And if anybody disagrees, you can tell me that's okay. I'll be all right with it. But when I read the story recently, he worked seven years and married Leah and then Laban says, wait a week. Then he married Rachel a week later, married the sister. And then after he married her, then he stayed and worked the seven other years, in which course lots of children came along. And anyway, so here he is married to two sisters. It was a different time. So you can't, all the elements of the story don't, I don't think necessarily apply today because customs and traditions were different. Nevertheless, what it says is over the course of time, it says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Doesn't say Leah was less favored. Doesn't say he kind of liked Rachel better. What the scripture says is that Leah was hated. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. That didn't happen. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. She knew it. It wasn't a secret to her. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So a lot of times going on here. And it says, And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time... Will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons? Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again, and bare a son. And she said, here I think she gets a little bit of an attitude adjustment. She says, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah, and left bearing so she's had four children. The very next verse says, And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's Rachel anger was kindled against Rachel. He's like, I, it's not my fault. I, you know. And so the story goes on. They had handmaids back then. I don't want to get into all of this. So Rachel gives her handmaid to Jacob. Jacob has a son via the handmaid, which was considered Rachel's child. Rachel got to raise that child. 
And so what Rachel says, her words here to me, are so telling. And Rachel says, after her handmaid has, has given birth to a son, she says, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. And I think about this story, this history, it's not a story, they were real people, and how Rachel got it so wrong. It was never between her and Leah. She wrestled with her sister, but that's not who it was between. Each of these women who, what I think what they wanted in life, one wanted a husband that loved them. I, don't, I think we would all consider that reasonable. The other one wanted to have children. Again, pretty reasonable. And they were each so consumed with what was wrong in their life, they looked at the other one and said, if I just had what they had, if I just had, if Jacob just loved me like he loved Rachel, Rachel looked at her and said, well, if I just had sons like Leah, the key to your happiness is not in what somebody else has got. Right. It isn't. What is the scripture that says they that compare themselves amongst themselves are not wise? And so we go on through this story and how um, it goes on and Leah has two more sons and still after each, each one of them is born, she says, now he's going to dwell with me. This, this is the magical son. This is, and I thought, you know, the scripture gives us these simple things because, you know, we think, well, if I just had this, life would be better. If I just wasn't like this, or if I was just a little more like that, you know, I think that, that you know, and who was it somebody said this morning, I think it, maybe it was in our Sunday school class, that what the devil uses to kind of get under your skin and maybe just, maybe just make you a little discontent with your lot in life, it doesn't always look like the devil. It doesn't always look like that. But where is, I think it's in, it's in the book of Numbers, where, let me see if I can find it just real quick. It's just a verse that kind of just sticks out to me. It says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. So when we're not pleased and not content with our situation, as these women weren't, and um, I think there's... You know, when we think about trusting the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, the little children said this morning, um, what is it? The Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. Sometimes we just have to trust the Lord that He knows what's going to make us happy better than we know what's going to make us happy. The Lord is, has the ability to make us content in the situation that we're in. And I know that things come up in life that are hard to deal with. I'm not saying that anybody should be just jumping for joy with, with health problems and with lots of different things that come up in life. But, but you can't, the key to your happiness, let me go back to when I'm, my mind starts going in 50 different directions. I don't think like this. My mind goes around too much. But when I think about friendship and true fellowship, you can't, there's a scripture in James that says, for where Indian strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And I looked up the definition of strife one time because I thought I knew what it meant. I thought it meant you just, you know, don't get along so good. That's what I thought. That isn't what it means. 
The definition that Webster gave was competition. And so I think about Rachel and Leah and how she says, I've wrestled with my sister. And how this is the story of, yeah. of not good fellowship. This is what we don't want. I'm going to get to the one we did want in just a minute. But something very ugly happens when you compete with somebody. That's right. That's right. Um, if we're competitors, I can't help but be glad when you don't do so well. And when you do well, I don't, am I really rejoicing if my goal is to beat you? That's not, that's not what we want. That's not the spirit that the Lord tells us. And the Lord, the scripture says that when that exists, there is confusion in every evil work. We don't want that. And so anyway, the story goes on and Rachel eventually has a son. She has the time comes for Jacob and Laban to, to part ways. And a lot of time goes on before that actually happens. But when they do get to finally part in ways, um, you know, they separate the cattle and all this, the different things that they do. And it says, um, And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. Now, Rachel is the one that Jacob loved. Rachel finally has a son of her own. She's had Joseph. Rachel, she's got everything she ever wanted, right? But she's not happy. She's not content. She looked for it in things that don't bring happiness and contentment and fulfillment. And so she stole the images that were her father. She's still looking for something, even though time has passed. And she's finally, she thinks she's prevailed against her sister. Those were her words. And how, um, and it goes on and um, they were going to kill whoever found the idols. But then, you know, she sits on them and they never do, I guess nobody ever knows that she's the one that did it. But I thought about how um, we want to think that we know ourselves best. And we just don't. We just, we don't know. We have to trust the Lord to do, to give us the things that we need. And sometimes there's going to be times in your life that there's, um, as, as life goes on, you know, you might be struggling to make a living while somebody else has seemingly, done, that's not a problem in their life right now. You know, you might be, you, time goes on and your children are coming along and maybe your friend's kid makes straight A's and your kid is struggling just to pass and you know but when you have true fellowship in the spirit like I'm fixing to read about David and Jonathan just real quick Rachel and Leah didn't have that see Rachel and Leah were so caught up in what they didn't have and, and their relationship was so and I look at what happened to them is it any wonder that sisters that had that kind of relationship look what happened to their children they are the, they, these are the sons that couldn't stand their brother and sell them into slavery. That's what came from that. Right. So the true fellowship that we need, it isn't just about me. A lot of times, I talked to somebody else this weekend, it's rarely about us. It's, it's rarely about It's about what we can do to help further the cause of Christ. And that, you know, we say that we serve the Lord. If we serve the Lord, we are doing a work not for ourselves, but for Him. And so anyway, so I love that the Scripture gives us, it does give us an example, Rachel and Leah. I think about them and I think 
They got, they were in a, it, it was not a situation of their choosing. They did not choose that. So most, a lot of what happens to us in life, we don't choose. But then I think about David and Jonathan, the exact opposite, almost, of how Rachel and Leah just seem to just tear at each other at every opportunity. And just real quick, so Jonathan kind of, we get, we get introduced to him a little earlier on. So before David defeats Goliath, Jonathan was an incredible warrior in his own right because... You know, it says, it says that they, he went, they went to battle with the Philistines. King, he was King Saul's son, was Jonathan. And they go to battle with the Philistines at a time when the Scripture tells us that the children of Israel did not have any, any weapons. They didn't have... The Philistines at that time had a monopoly on the weapon industry. So anything that involved metal, you had to go see the Philistines for it. The Israelites did not have their own. So I'm thinking in a time of war, that's a pretty significant disadvantage. And so what happens is Saul's army is, they're, they're afraid. He's, you know, they're afraid. I think he says he has 600 men. They're afraid. And um, Saul isn't really, and he's not in the place where he ought to be with the Lord. So his, he's not the leader that he should be at this point. But Jonathan comes along and Jonathan says um, to his armor bearer, Let's go over to the Philistines' garrison that's on the other side. But he didn't tell Saul. And it says, and he said, to, this is what Jonathan says to his armor bearer. He says, come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. And it may be, think about the words, I think we know the words that David said when he goes to defeat Goliath. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. This is what Jonathan says to David. It's no wonder they were such kindred spirits. So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Jonathan and David were a like mind. They, they believed that the Lord could, could fight the battle for them. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. And that we don't know, we don't know the armor bearer's name. But he was there. He's like, dude, I'm with you. If you yeah. believe God can do this, let's go. Let's. He was right there. How many times do you need people like that in your life that are like, you know, the Lord has this. So anyway, long story short, Jonathan and his armor bearer climb over on these rocks, just the two of them. They got two weapons. And it says, the scripture says that they fight and they kill in about half an acre, 20 men. And they cause such a ruckus that the Philistine army sees it and they kind of just break out into chaos. This is where the Lord comes in because two men couldn't have killed 600. So the Lord comes in and it says, and behold, every man's sword was against his fellow mm -hmm. and there was a very great discomfiture. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, the deserters had left and came back to the Hebrew camp and they were, had come back to fight with the Israelites against Saul and Jonathan. And it says, um, So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Bethaven. So Jonathan was a warrior in his own right. He had, um, he had put his faith in God, won for Israel and for the Lord this huge battle. And so in the very next chapters when we learn about Saul, 
I hope this is making sense to y'all. So you have Jonathan, this great warrior. He's a prince, basically. He's who would become king after Saul. And the very next chapter is when Saul disobeys God. He does not obliterate the people and the stuff like God tells him to. And Saul is rejected in the very next chapter. And so, all of a sudden, Jonathan, despite his faith in God, is not going to become king. And then very, then the very next chapter after that is when David defeats Goliath. So before David ever sees Goliath, Jonathan's already had his great victory. So then, it comes to pass, after David has killed Goliath, that he comes, Saul wants to meet this man. And it says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And I think about how um, Jonathan, human nature, you would think Jonathan might be a little bit resentful. Jonathan might think, this kingdom was supposed to be mine. This kingdom, you know, my dad is the king, and now it's supposed to go to you. It's not going to go to me. It's, and Jonathan didn't feel like that at all. This is the example that the Lord has given us that we need to be like. Jonathan stood between Saul and David so many times. Saul was jealous and envious and bitter and tried to kill David. And how many times Jonathan stood in and went to his father, the king, who had the right to kill him and said, David has done nothing but good for you. You you don't want to hurt him. And how many times Saul did that. How many times, um, not Saul, Jonathan did that. How many times Jonathan went to David and said, um, you know, I'll, I'll find out what it is, and I'll do what I can do to keep you safe, and I'll do... Um, anyway, and so, I mean, it just goes on like this for... I, I really don't even know the time frame. I would kind of... I've never stopped to look, but you, as you read the Scripture, I get the feeling that it was possibly years that this happened, that this friendship was theirs, and that he would... And it says and, um, that Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul, and how um, they made a covenant with each other. And it says um, that even when the Lord had cut off the enemies of David, that, that, that David would still look after Jonathan's children. And so time goes on, and they have you know the signals that they figure out and how all of this stuff, let's see, I'm trying to wrap it up. It says, and David forms his own army. He's had, he had to leave because Saul wanted to kill him. Jonathan says, you need to leave. My father's angry. You're not safe here. And how he watched out after David and how um, the very last time that we have record of Jonathan and David having any kind of conversation together, um, David's got his army of misfits, I kind of think they were. And it's um, the way the scripture describes them. I thought I had it right here. But anyway, here it is. It says, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, unto David. That's who made up David's army. Sounds like a bunch of, just a ragtag, you know, and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. But the Lord used those people for his purpose. Anyway, and so it comes on down the last time that David and Jonathan get together. What Jonathan says to David is, it says, And David saw, David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. 
And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan did this for David. Jonathan went to David to encourage him and the Lord. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. I'm going to be underneath you. I'm going to be, I'm going to be right there encouraging you, yep. holding you up. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And I thought about how, you know, Jonathan, if, if he had any resentment or bitterness at all in his heart, you, it, it's not in the scripture. I don't think he did. I think he wanted the Lord's will. And if the Lord's will meant that it's not me, it's you, then I'm going to do what I can do to encourage you, to lift you up, to help you fill your role. You know, and I think that's, that's the kind of fellowship that they had. That's the kind of fellowship that we need. And just like Rachel and Leah, you saw the next generation kind of go sour. And I, maybe as a result of how they were, David and Jonathan, you see the next generation of them and how David looked after, I'm going to butcher this name, Mephibosheth, I think was his name, his son, and how David looked after him. David took him, let him eat at the king's table, let him do all of this because that was the, that was the relationship he had with Jonathan. So the relationships that you form when you're young, all of that to say, I hope my, my weird log pattern of thinking is making sense to y'all. The relationships that we form now, the way that we treat each other, the way that we feel about each other, matters more than just in the moment. It, it, it's building something or it's tearing something down. We have a choice. And I want to build up. I want y'all to build up. I want y'all to have each other, not just at this phase in your life. And just we talked in Sunday school, you know, we, we do, we, we live in the moment. But life is going to change. You are going to need each other. You're going to want, in time to come, which is not something that you can probably think about now, you're going to want your children to have. These people to look at, you're not thinking about how many times my kids have been in Chip and Shelley's house. That wasn't a vision I had 30 years ago. We didn't think about stuff like that. We didn't think about, I didn't think about, like this weekend, my girls have been with Natalie and May. I didn't think about all those years ago. But you want these people to be around to kind of shepherd and usher in the next That's generation right. and to lift up and to be an encouragement. And so the relationships that we form now have an effect on they have an effect on the future they have an effect on your future and on other people's future and i just want to encourage you to love each other to love each other fiercely to be in each other's corner you will not understand everything that the other one goes through you you won't you won't be able to understand it but the lord has given us just such a beautiful path to follow and how if we just trust him to um if we trust Him to, right. to lead us into things that will um, that will be for our future good, we talked also in this Sunday, in Sunday school this morning that you know we don't know how it's how we're going to get there, but we know the end. We know the end, right. and the end is that if we put our faith in the Lord, that we come out victorious, that we are winners. That that's that's we have to put our faith in the Lord. But I just want y'all to love each other. I want y'all to be friends with each other. I want y'all to. Um, 
to just build up, to build up into something that is pleasing unto the Lord and that will be a benefit to you in your later life. And anyway, that's kind of just what I've had on my mind. Y'all remember me? What am I supposed to do? (laughs) So at this point in time in the service, if we have anybody that has a burden or if we have anybody that would like to seek the Lord, now is your time as we, everybody stand and we'll sing a song of invitation.